behind the scenes. And this morning's message is on the topic of being convinced. Everyone say convinced. It's a scripture that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.14. It's in your Bibles or you can read it up on the screen. Uh, And Paul says this to the Corinthian church. He says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You know, most people that I meet, whether in church or outside of church, want to do well in life. Most people, I mean, what that looks like varies from different people, but they want life to work out for them. Most people that I speak to have a desire to achieve certain things or do certain things or get to a certain point. Uh, And you know what? God wants you to do well in life as well. If you read through the scriptures, you understand that God wants you to prosper. He wants you to do well in life. He wants you to live your best life. Uh, He's actually on your side. God is on your side. That's good news. Uh, The temptation in the pursuit of wanting to see certain things happen or, or to achieve certain things or to get to a certain point in life, the temptation is to gauge whether that's working out or not whether we're getting there or not, or whether God's for us or not, based on a snapshot of life, like the circumstances right now, whatever's going on in our life right now, what our bank account looks like right now, what our social circumstances look like right now, relationship circumstances look like right now. The temptation is to look at where we are right now and then judge whether those things are true based on what we're experiencing right now. And that's a, that's a, um, it's a, it causes problems for us. Because when you look through the Bible uh, and you look at the way God interacts with people, and that's what the Bible is, it's, it's God's story about how he works in people's lives. And we read through the scriptures and we learn about God and how he works in our world and in our circumstances. And if you look at it, if you read through the history and the biography of certain people and how God works in their lives throughout the scriptures, you see that God is interested in the process just as much as the outcome. And that how we do that journey, God is interested in how we do that journey just as much as arriving at the destination, seeing that dream fulfilled, seeing that purpose achieved, seeing our goals or or the things that we're wanting to come to pass coming to pass, God wants those to happen, but he is as interested in the journey, in the process, and what happens in us as we pursue him and as we pursue the the dreams, the desires, the purposes that he lays before us. I mean, if you look at the life of Abraham in the scriptures, in the book of Genesis, you look at God's working in his life, Uh, you look at Jacob, you look at Joseph, you look at Moses, you look at these people's lives and you see that If they had taken a snapshot of their life or if they had judged God's workings in their life, God's promises in their life, at certain points, if you read their story, at certain points, they could have come to the conclusion that God wasn't for them or that God wasn't working it out or that nothing was ever going to come to pass. And that would have been a mistake, wouldn't it? Because when you read the whole story, you go, wow, if they had given up there, if they had have let go there, if they had have just stopped there, they would never have seen the fulfillment 
of God's promise and God's uh, destiny and the purpose that he had in the journey. And so it's really important that as, as we look at the Scriptures and as we think about what we're convinced of, that we don't allow the circumstances of our life to talk us or to influence us out of the things that we, that we were once convinced of from God's scriptures or from God's word or something that God had spoken to us or something we held closely and deeply to our heart. And because we didn't look at the outside and go, oh, I don't know if that's true now. I don't know if I believe that now. Uh, can be a mistake. Um, so if the destination was the only goal God had for us, then as soon as we got saved, he might as well just take us to heaven. If the goal was just to get to heaven, like when your friend asked Christ into his life, poof, he could have just gone. <laughs> God could have just killed him on the spot. Well, the goal's just to get to heaven. But the goal's not just to get to heaven, is it? The goal is not just to have eternity. The goal is to experience God's love and his purpose and to and to live with him and to see his purpose prevailing in our world and in the lives of other people and that's a journey that's a journey that will continue till we go to be with him whenever that time occurs so my question to you this morning is what what do you know to be true about Jesus what are you convinced of What do you believe to be true? And has it come from revelation? Has it come because God's spoken that deeply into your heart? Because the reality is our convictions, the things that we believe we're convinced of, are going to be tested in the crucible of life. Those beliefs will be tested by circumstances, by situations, by things that happen in life that will cause you to go, I didn't expect that. I wasn't anticipating that. So because of that, does that mean that this thing that I believe, this thing that I held on to, this thing that I, that I was building my life upon, does that mean that that foundation is no longer true? That's the challenge. And therefore, the conviction that we have from God's Word, from God's promises, must lie far deeper than just an analysis based on what we're experiencing right now in this moment in our life. It's got to come from an encounter with Jesus Christ where we have an encounter and his word that we read or that's spoken to us is so deeply embedded into our heart by the Holy Spirit that no matter what comes our way, we know that it's true. We know that we know that we know and we cannot be convinced out of it because it lies deeper than just based on empirical evidence. So because this, this and this happened, it must be true. No, it's far deeper than that. Our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith in his word must be built and the convictions that we have come out of an encounter, an experience, an eternal divine experience that runs far deeper than any experience that we can have in this world. That is how we continue to believe and to move forward as we go. So I want to talk about, there's uh, a business guy I don't know if you've heard of him, you may have. His name's Patrick uh, Lencioni. He's written a number of books. One of his books is called The Five Temptations of a CEO. Has anyone ever heard of that book? Nobody. Awesome. 
<laughs> anyway, he wrote this book called Five Temptations of a CEO. I want to talk this morning about the two temptations of the Christian. So I could have come up with five, but I didn't have enough time. So plus we'd be here a lot longer. So the two temptations of the Christian based on this scripture about being convinced. What are we convinced of? Number one, the first temptation of the Christian as we follow Christ, as we live our lives, as we move through our, our, our journey, uh, is we, because of certain circumstances, because of situations that we're facing, because of things that we're dealing with at a particular time, we just get to the point where we say, I can't do this anymore. I don't know if you've ever got to that point or ever felt that thought or those feelings like, I just can't do this anymore. Um, the circumstances, today's circumstances, cause us to give up on tomorrow's dreams. You just think, oh, I, I just can't keep going. You know, in the scriptures, in Exodus, we read about the life of the Israelites. You read through their story and for the Israelites living in Egypt at the time, in the book of Exodus, it was pretty tough. If you, if you read the context of the circumstances in which they were living, they were working long hours under extremely tough bosses, never feeling like they were getting anywhere, never getting ahead, no opportunities, and, and this was a constant grind, just over and over. It was like Groundhog Day for them every single day. Anybody ever felt like that? Every single day just seems like the same and I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere. I'm not moving ahead. I'm not taking any ground. That's how the Israelites were feeling. In fact, the word Egypt means a place of constraint, a place of limitation. And so it means to be hemmed in. And at times we feel hemmed in. We feel limited. We feel like we can't get ahead. And then Moses comes. And begins to speak about this great opportunity, about breakthrough, about getting out of this place of limitation and going to a promised land, going to a place flowing with milk and honey, getting out of the constraints and, and living the life you were called to live. And so they got excited about that. Opportunity came, a vision, hope began to rise in their hearts. We're going to get out of this place. They got excited. They got filled with hope. And then it didn't happen. They tried to leave. They tried to change their circumstances. They tried to get out of debt. They tried to build a business. They tried to get into the property market. They tried to move forward. They tried to take a hold of the things that were promised. And instead of getting easier, instead of taking ground, it actually got harder. The circumstances got worse. Things got worse for them. And the temptation, and if you look at their story, they got to the point where they said, why are we even hoping to get out of this place? Why, why did we even... Think that it was possible that circumstances could change. That things could actually get better. I tried to make them better and they've actually got worse. So what's the point of even trying? I don't know if anyone's ever felt like that. The Israelites felt exactly like that. And the temptation is to think, you know what? This is as good as it'll get. Or this is all I deserve. 
Or God is punishing me because of something that I did or didn't do. This is all I deserve or this is as good as it gets and, and this is a lie. It's a lie because we look at the circumstances, we look at the challenges, we look at the obstacles that are going on in this moment and we project them on to the entire journey and we go, it's not worth it, I can't do it and we have a temptation to give up. Um, but any, any success, any achievement, any th- enduring uh, blessing in our life comes through pushing through, comes through resilience, comes through not giving up in those moments, being convinced that God's word is actually true. If you have to be convinced of something, then it's obviously going to be challenged. The belief is going to be challenged. The thought is going to be challenged. The hope is going to be challenged at some point. That's why you have to be convinced. Um, I think, actually, I just want to, uh, Anita, stand up for a sec. This woman, stand up. Can we give Anita a big hand? Let's come out here for a sec, Anita. I saw you walk in before, but this, this woman, I don't know if some of you know or some of you don't, is the epitome of perseverance. And uh, if anyone knows her story, uh, it's incredible testimony, and I hope you get the chance to hear it sometime, but it's absolutely incredible. But I saw, or Nick was mentioned to me on Facebook, did you just graduate? So, but you finished your degree in? Um, life coaching and counselling. Life coaching and counselling, and... Three years. Where did you do it? Uh, at ACAP, Australian College of uh, Applied Psychology. So, which is an incredible achievement, but all the more incredible because of the circumstances in which Anita, you know, initially grew up and uh, the fact that you had a limited education and hostile environment. And I won't go into all the details because we, we don't have time, but... Your tenacity and your uh, resilience, single mum, raised two boys on her own, worked full-time, studied part-time, studied full-time and worked full-time, raised two children um, with limited education to start with. I remember so many times, you know, speaking to you where uh, you were feeling uh, discouraged or feeling like you couldn't make it or feeling like you couldn't get there and yet over and over again, Anita has one of the strongest faiths that, uh, that I know, just her ability to trust in God, to put God first under extremely challenging circumstances um, because you have a deep conviction and a deep knowledge that Jesus is good, God is good, and that he's going to get you through. And, uh, and a second chance. Second chance, yeah. So uh, I just want to say congratulations. Give Anita another great big hand. If you've never heard Anita's story, it'll absolutely blow you away. Um, but there's, there's great reward in not giving in. Um, and you, know, you lead lots of stories of even in the, in the business world, in the secular world, people who have achieved great, uh, great things. Uh, I read a lot. I like to read a lot. It just helps 
get perspective on life and, and, uh, and whether it be church or, or business or world or, or sporting things or whatever. But, um, you know, Jeff Bezos, just recently, Jeff Bezos, who, who started Amazon, uh, largest shareholder of Amazon, he's now, the, he's now twice as rich as the second richest person in the world. So Bill Gates is the second richest person in the world and Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, a largest shareholder, is twice as rich as Bill Gates. So, but if you read his story, I recently read a biography on his life. When he started the business, he got money from his parents to start it. I think around $200,000 he borrowed off his parents. And he said to his parents, I just want to let you know that there's an 80% chance that you're going to lose your money. <laughs> and I want to tell you that up front because because every Saturday night he'd go there for dinner and he'd say, I want to be able to keep coming here for dinner <laughs> if you don't get your money back. Uh, that was obviously a, a lot of years ago and they've probably got their money back. Um, but if you read the story of Amazon, there's there was numerous times in the history of that company where they almost went bankrupt. Number of occasions. And it's very easy to look at the the, the moment of success or the moment of highlight or, or when someone is basking in the, in the success or, or the, the accolade of a particular achievement without understanding moments where, you know, he could have given up. He could have let go. He could have just said, oh, this is too hard. It's too, too much pressure. Um, and, but he didn't. Elon Musk, another guy, he's the guy that has the, started Tesla and also SpaceX, which is another company Another great uh, biography to read. Uh, but he, all, he made $200 million out of the... He was one of the shareholders of PayPal, which is the online um, payment system. So he was one of the shareholders when they sold that company to... I can't remember who they sold it. Uh, oh, they sold it to eBay. He made $200 million out of the sale of PayPal. And he invested $100 million into Tesla and $100 million into SpaceX... And if you read his autobiography, uh, or biography, he was $100,000 away from going bankrupt. So he'd, he'd invested $200 million and he was $100,000 away from going bankrupt. He'd invested into the Tesla, and they had so many complications in the early part of that company. He was just, just burning through money. He started this... Uh, space exploration organization he had a contract with nasa that if he could get a rocket to launch outside of the atmosphere there was like a billion dollar contract that they were ready to sign with him and i think it was four or five attempts they'd had in launching a rocket and every one of them had failed and every one of them is obviously a very expensive very expensive venture and they got down to their last hundred thousand dollars and they were launching their rocket and he said if this rocket doesn't work we're it's all over We've got no more money left. And they'd had four, four or five attempts. I can't remember what it was. And, and it worked. And it, if that hadn't worked, you wouldn't even know who Elon Musk is. But he risked, he risked all of that. And he, and he uh, continued to press through. And these are just secular guys. These are just business guys. I don't know about their faith or anything like that. But uh, he's gone on to be very, very successful. Um, and basking in the accolades of great achievements, various opinions on him as a as a person, but uh, but.
But it's easy to look at the success and go, oh, wow, well, it's easy for them. You know, they must have had it easy. And we look at our challenges and we think, well, I can't do that. And we look at other people's successes. But you've got to be convinced as a believer that God is for you and that something that he's placed within your heart, you are able to achieve. Yes, it's going to take hard work. Yes, it's going to take discipline. Yes, it's going to take perseverance. Ask Anita. There's times where you want to give up. Um, in the uh, music industry, you know, in 1995, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Jay-Z. Anyone heard of Jay-Z? <laughs> he tried tirelessly to strike a record deal and not a single label would sign him. So he had to start his own record company to produce his album, it's called Rockefeller Records, and partnered with another couple of guys who I've never heard of. But uh, maybe it's showing my ignorance, so I won't mention their names. <laughs> but anyway, he released the album in 1996 um, called Reasonable Doubt, and it's gone on to be nominated as possibly the greatest rap album of all time. But no one wanted it. No one was interested. No one thought it was any good. Now he's obviously very famous and well-known, but at the time, he had to persevere. He had to push through. He had to continue to believe that what he was doing was worthwhile and that what he had was something special. What you've got is something special. What you're trying to achieve, what you're trying to do with your life, when it ties in with what God has gifted you for and desired for you and the purpose that he's placed within your heart is special and it's worth pursuing. I want to encourage you not to give up on that. Katy Perry, another example. 2001, Katy Perry released her first album, sold 200 copies. I've sold more than that. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> 2003, she was signed to an uh, island deaf uh, a um, company called uh, Island Def Jam uh, and her contract was terminated without producing an album. 2004, she signed with Columbia Records. Uh, contract was terminated without producing an album. She worked odd jobs for the next two years trying to get, a, 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 get on a label, worked in uh, working as a, a, in uh, restaurants and stuff like that. In 2008, a new record label, which had just started, decided to give her a chance. Uh, they heard a song, they thought, oh, it sounded all right. Um, they launched it and it went to number one for seven weeks. It was called I Kissed a Girl. <laughs> Don't know about the morals, but, but other people had heard that album. Didn't, other people had heard that song, didn't think it was any good. But she believed that she had something to offer and continued to persevere and continued to push through. You're not going to achieve anything of substance whether that be in a marriage, in a family, in a career, in a business, in a ministry, in, without challenges, without looking at the journey as opposed to the moment. Uh, we, look through, we look through the scriptures. You can see the Apostle Paul. You think, you know, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So much wisdom, so much, so much to learn in regards to his journey with God. And yet, if you look at his life... Uh, there was moments where he, he could have given up. I mean, if you read in, in the book of Acts, and he talks about it in the book of Philippians, where he says, you know, he had a vision from God. Like a vision actually literally appeared before him. 
picture of a Macedonian man saying, come over here and preach the gospel. Come to Macedonia and preach. He had a vision. Not just a vision. He had a vision. Surely if you've got a vision from God, it's going to just happen. And so he goes, okay. So he goes over there, begins to preach the gospel. If you know the story, you can read about it in the book of Acts. You know, this girl starts following him around saying, oh, you know, listen to this guy. He's following, he's, she's given prophecies and fortune telling and stuff and he casts the devil out of it and they all get upset. The authorities come, they throw him in jail and he's beaten with rods. Beaten, bashed, put in jail, incarcerated in the, in the, in the lowest jails. And he could be thinking, well, I just thought I was doing what God asked me to do. Surely if I'm doing what God asked me to do, it's going to be easy. Surely. But as we read through the Scriptures, we see just because you're doing the will of God, just because you've got a dream in your heart, just because you have a desire to do something worthy and noble and divine and eternal, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. There will be challenges. There will be opposition. Paul could have just gone, oh, what's the point? But it says at that moment they were worshipping and they were singing to God. And a miracle occurred, if you know the story. A miracle occurred. All the chains were set free. The jailer was going to kill himself. He said, don't kill He led him to the Lord. And out of his most challenging circumstance, the greatest fruit came. It was out of that jailer and some of the other people there that the Philippian church was started, which Paul said was the greatest joy to him out of all the churches that he planted. Out of his hardest, most difficult, most challenging time, God brought the greatest fruit, the greatest blessing, and the greatest success. That's how God works. That's what God does. So I want to encourage you this morning to hold on to the things that you're convinced of in regards to God and the promises that... Don't give up on what God has said in the midst of the journey. In the midst of the difficulty, when the challenges come. But to continue to believe, continue to hold on, continue to press through. Because you will get out the other side. You will see God's promises coming to pass. Anything of, great, anything of greatness, anything that we want to achieve is going to be fulfilled through the process. Just just keep doing what you're doing. Now, some of you know that um, I'm going to do a race in Italy at the moment, and when you talk to coaches about training, whether any kind of training, sporting or whatever, they always tell you, don't focus on the event, focus on the process. So if you do the things that you need to do each day, you will have your best outcome at the end. And you know what? Life is just like that. If you, if you just keep doing the things, don't give up praying because things get hard and tough and you think, oh, it's not working out. Don't give up going to church. Don't give up worshipping. Don't give up the things that you've been doing that have actually been helping you get to the point. You know, there's times in this journey with the, with the cycling and everything that I just thought, I'm sick of getting up early in the morning and going riding. I don't want to do this. Um, but you do because you've got accountability, you've got other people that, are, that you're doing it with and, and there's all these sort of things around you that help you keep going. So you, don't do it on your own. That's another 
great lesson. If you think you're going to achieve all that God's got for you and, and, and live the life you want to live on your own, you're going to be disappointed. You need to have people around you. You need to have people to encourage you and lift you up and you're lifting other people up when they're down. And that's the way it works in community, doing life together. Um, so whether it be education, whether it be study, I know a number of people are studying here, whether it be masters, whether it be undergraduate degrees, whether it be part-time, full-time, there's always the temptation, the feeling like, oh, I can't do this anymore. Um, but when you get to the end, wow. How good does it feel, Anita, when you get to the end? <laughs> because you've pressed through, because you've persevered. So, wow, I've used up all my time. I'm only up to temptation number one. <laughs> I'll just finish a couple of minutes with temptation number two. So temptation number one is just to give up. Temptation number two is to get partway towards the fulfillment of what you desire and what you feel like God's spoken to you and the promises that he's given. You get partway there and you go, you know what, that's enough. The temptation to settle. And again, the Israelites are the greatest example in the scriptures for us. Once they did manage to get out of Israel and they were heading towards the promised land. It says in Numbers 32, 1-5, the, Reuben, the Reubenites and Gadites who had very large herds and flocks saw that the land of Jazer and Gilead was suitable for livestock. So they came to Moses and Eleazar the priest to the leaders of the community and they said, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> the land the Lord subdued before the people of Israel are suitable for livestock and your servant has livestock. If we found favor in your eyes, they said, let this land be given to your servants as our possession. Don't make us cross the Jordan. In other words, they were saying, hey, we've been relatively successful. When you're on the journey and God begins to do some things in your life and you start to see some success and you start to see some benefit and you start to see some of the things, the temptation is then to go, you know what, this is good enough. This is enough. Rather than wanting to see the full benefit the full provision the full fulfillment of what God has said is possible and what he has for our life and to just go you know, don't God don't make me start that connect group <laughs> don't make me start that business don't don't make me step out again don't make me take risk again don't don't make me have to work on this thing again and again and again it, surely this is enough and you know what? The older you get, the greater the temptation to say, this is enough. Even in our Christian walk, you know, many of you may have been Christians for a while. I know some are new Christians here. But you know what Jason was talking about there, just, just sharing our faith. Sometimes when you've been a Christian for a while, it's very easy to go, you know what? I've, I've done that enough. I've shared my faith enough. I've been to church enough. And we can just get into the mode of just going through the motions Rather than going, you know what, I want to I wanna see what God's given me and what he's placed in my life and the things that I've learned. I want to be able to communicate. I want to be able to impart them. I, wanna, I actually want to keep bearing fruit as I continue in my journey. That's why I was saying you know, early on to, to just be praying, God, give me an opportunity again to share my faith. Give me the opportunity to lead someone to Christ. Give me the opportunity to lead a connect group. Give me an opportunity to lead a ministry. Give me an opportunity to do something more than what I'm doing right now, to take advantage of the things that you've taught me and the things that you've given me, that becomes harder and harder. 
but we've got to make a decision in our life. God, I want you to use all of me to bring about the maximum return and the maximum benefit, not just to my life, but to the lives around me. Um, don't make us cross the Jordan. And it's not because we're afraid or it's not because we're going to lose our faith or anything like that. We just think, you know, I've, I've done enough. I want to encourage you this morning as we finish up now. I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, maybe you're at a point where you're going, you know, I just can't do this anymore. Maybe you've stepped out in a business. Maybe you've stepped out in a, in a, uh, in a relationship. Maybe you've stepped out in, in uh, some other area where you've tried to change. Maybe you've had an addiction and you thought, I'm going to break free of this, but it's not happening. It's taking more than you anticipated. I want to encourage you not to give up. I want to encourage you to keep turning up, to keep doing what you know, what you're convinced of. God has spoken to you, what God said to you, what the Scriptures say, that all things work together for good. They all work together for good. That's just how God works. Or maybe you're just at a point where you feel like, you know, I'm just going through the, I'm just going through the motions. I'm just, I, I love God, I'm going to church, I tithe, I, I do all the bits and pieces. But, but you just, in your heart, you just know, you know what, there's more. That first love, that excitement of your faith, that, oh, that exhilaration that comes from sharing your faith or taking ground or doing something, stepping out in faith. You just, you know that that's not there right now. I want to encourage you as we take a moment in God's presence. If you're feeling stirred to go, God, give me something fresh. Give me an opportunity to share my faith. Give me an opportunity to do something that influences the lives of others, that makes a difference in the church, out of the church, in my workplace. To let that light shine, to be the person God's called you to be to bring the transformation that God has placed within you. Father, we thank you that your word works. Father, we thank you. I pray that you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. For any one of us that's feeling tired, that feels like giving up or letting go of the hope or the dream of what is possible, something that you've spoken deep within our heart. Pray you breathe upon it afresh this morning. Breathe new life. Holy Spirit. You're never meant to fulfill it on your own. You're not capable of it. This is a word for somebody here this morning. You were never capable. And you were never meant to try and do it on your own. But as you lean on me, as you rest on me, I will bring about the things that you are desiring. The things that you're failing at right now, I will make a success. God, we thank you. You are good. Why don't we all stand?
Or maybe you're feeling stirred. Maybe you're feeling like your, your, your faith has just become a bit routine, a bit pedestrian, just a, just a bit of a rote thing that you're just, you're just doing. That's not exciting. It's not alive. It's just, it's just become habit. I'd love you to reach out to God this morning. Open up your heart and say, God, fill me afresh. I want that first love to be reignited again, to feel again those, that passion and that excitement, of the initial stages of the love encounter. God, fill me afresh. Why don't you lift your hands right now? Thank you, Holy Spirit. You breathe life into every struggling heart, every disappointment, every regret, Lord. Every word has been spoken by the enemy that it's too hard. Give up. Let go. Sit down. Stop. I bind every one of those words, every, every, every accusation. That is not from you, God. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would breathe life. Breathe hope. Power. Strength. To be the men and the women you've called us to be. And to do the things you've called us to do. To walk by faith. to love you with all our heart, to love people. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, God. Look, if either of those things relate to you or, or maybe you're here today, maybe you've drifted away from God or you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, but today you're saying, you know what, I, I need to make Jesus my Lord. I'd love to lead you in a prayer, just as Jason led his friend in a prayer that asked Jesus Christ into your life. Or maybe you're away from God for whatever reason, and it doesn't really matter. But today, you're saying, you know what? I need to come back. I need to get my life right with God. If that's you, I want you to take the first step. I'll just wait down here. I want you to come down. I'd love to pray with you. Shake your hand. Lead you in a prayer. Anybody else, if you say, you know what? I just want to confirm something. I just want to reconfirm something. Maybe it's a commitment. Maybe it's something and you feel like just getting some prayer to encourage you in your journey. And as you move forward, I'd love to pray with you and some of the leaders will pray down here after the service. But I want you to know that God is on your side. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never let you down. As Paul said in Romans 8, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Thanks, guys. If you want prayer, come down the front after the service. Thanks, Ruthie. Awesome. What an amazing message from Pastor Ward. Why don't we thank him? Thank you.
Well, if you're visiting with us, we'd love to shout you a coffee out in the foyer. And if you wanted to register for Real Men um, Retreat for next year as well, come visit the Next Step Bar. We'd love to take your rego there. And if you have any other questions as well, Next Step Bar is the place to go. Have an amazing week and we'll see you next week for Father's Day. It's going to be a great morning. See you then.